Hi, this is Jeff. If you have any interest in supporting this podcast, you can visit patreon.com backslash evolving podcast for more information. Thank you. Hello, you're listening to Jeff Grant's Evolving Podcast, a podcast dedicated to awards shows and movies and uh, the Oscars, which are this weekend, which is April 25th. Usually the Oscars are in February, I think, or January, somewhere around there. They're late this year because everything's weird this year or last year. Uh, but uh, I, w- I, w- I was able to catch all eight of the movies nominated for Best Picture, and I wanted to do an episode where I'm just going to rank them. I wanted to talk about each one real briefly. Uh, one of them I watched this morning because uh, I was, was behind on that one. And some I've, I, it's been like since like November, I think, since I watched the first one. So some of them are not super fresh on my in my memory. And I've all I've only seen these movies one time. Another thing that's weird about this year is is how you know like the theaters haven't really been open. So out of the eight movies, I saw two of them in the theater. I usually each year try to watch whatever's nominated for best picture, like as many of the movies as I can. Like that's something I've been doing like the last few years. And uh, I've noticed that how I watch the movies affects it. And it's like if I watch the movie after it's been nominated, like that affects how I go into the movie, you know? You kind of go in thinking like, well, it's going to be at least a certain level of good. Like you kind of have like a high standards and everything. So when I mention these movies, I think I'm going to say if I saw it at home or at the theater, and then I'm going to say if I saw it before or after the nominations were announced, because I just feel like those two things factor in somehow. That's more for like scientific reasons, like, I'm just curious if that makes any difference. Uh, before I get into that, I was going to say real quick, um, I just got back from a trip to Nashville and uh, with a stop at Eure- in Eureka Springs and another one in Little Rock. Uh, that was like two days ago I drove in. And when I was gone, I was able to record a podcast with my friend Brian Carter at his house. And... I was wanting to hurry and get that one out as the next episode, but because the Oscars are like this weekend, I'm trying to hurry and throw this episode together real quick. So that one's probably going to come out next week sometime, which will be after the 25th, like the week of the 26th. Uh, I'm not usually on a real on a schedule with these things, but I'm just letting y'all know because uh, I, I would like to be putting that out like right now, but. Uh, I have to record this one and then edit it and then get it out and then start editing uh, the one with him. But I, I listened to the raw like conversation last night and I, I had a lot of fun with it. So I think it's going to be a cool episode. I thought I was going to record more podcasts on the road, but I didn't get around to it. I did record a thing like in in the car like one day when I was driving from Eureka Springs to Nashville. I recorded like 20 minutes worth of just talking about the drive. At the time, I thought I might make a, a long episode where I just talked from from the drive like from uh, over like multiple days, but then I kind of lost interest in doing that. But I don't know. Maybe I'll listen to it and it'll inspire me to edit it together, but uh, I don't know if it'd be that interesting. It's a lot of just me screaming into my phone like while driving. 
<laughs> Try not to get in a wreck. Maybe that's entertaining. I don't know. Um, another thing I wanted to say before I started going through these. I'm going to try to do this quick. I don't want this to be a long episode. This might be like the episode I did where I talked about my 10 favorite shows of the year. I was trying to kind of rush through it because part of the reason is I don't know if I have a ton of thoughts on each one of these movies. I'm not like a critic, but I like movies and stuff, you know, of course. And I just might not have a lot to say about each one other than like what I liked about it and it didn't like it about it. But I was going to say, like, all, all eight of these movies, I would recommend to people. They're all good movies. I think last year, the movies that were nominated, it was like I had the my favorites were more clear to me. I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. And I knew that Joker was, like, my least favorite, which I don't. it just wasn't really for me. I, I don't know. I thought it was, it was fine. We don't have to talk about Joker right now, but... A lot of these movies, I feel like they're, it's almost like the distance between, between them is like really narrow. And some of them, I'm, I'm, I don't even know. I'm like, I feel like the middle four, they're almost like they could be shuffled around pretty easily. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because I almost feel bad where some of these movies fall in my ranking. Not that this really matters. Like, it's not like a, my personal taste on this stuff has any meaning i just i'm really just doing this because i want to and i thought it'd be fun it'd probably be more fun if i had somebody i was talking to about this stuff but anyway i'm gonna go ahead and start the number eight movie for me was the father this seems like one that maybe people might not have seen as much out of a lot of these anthony hopkins is in it and he's like amazing in this movie and this is one that i saw in the theater but i saw it after it was nominated he plays an older guy who's starting to get like dementia and um, it's told and like the way it's made, it's kind of puts you in his head. Like the actress that plays his daughter will like change. I went and saw it with my dad and we don't usually go watch like small, like art house type movies. And uh, I think he was wanting to be more, a little more entertained, I think. <laughs> But we both we appreciated it. It was we thought it was really well done, but it was also like a really sad topic. So it's kind of a thing where it made you really empathetic, and hopefully would give you a little bit more of an idea of what it would be like for someone suffering from that. Which is a really valuable thing to make a movie about. It's just kind of a um, I don't know. It was just kind of hard to watch in some ways, but it it was really good and it was sad and it, but it was uh there, there was a lot of empathy in it that i thought was was good i put it in the in the last one the other movies hit me a little harder maybe it was like kind of a really small story i think if you have experience with like being around people who are dealing with like dementia and that kind of stuff like it would probably feel very realistic like his performance was it, you're almost like does he have <laughs> it's not that movies have to be entertaining. I don't think a lot of these movies kind of are entertaining, but they're also about really serious things. But it made me want to like just watch like Godzilla vs. Kong or whatever it's called. <laughs> I think that was the next movie I watched. I just wanted to watch something big and dumb and stupid, and that one worked for me for that need. Okay, the seventh one that I put was the first one that I saw, and I watched it at home on Netflix. It was, it was uh, Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of... Chicago 7. I don't... 
I like this movie. I think I just watched it and then I didn't, maybe I didn't think about it too much afterwards. So I don't, I feel like I don't remember it super well, but I thought the writing was really good. Like his movies are always really well written and um, the story was interesting and worth being told. It didn't stick with me as much as some of his other movies. And I think it's just been so long since I've watched it. It's not, I'm not remembering a lot of it. I, I remember thinking that it might win like an Oscar for like best writing kind of thing. Man, I wish I had more to say about this movie, but I don't for some reason. Okay, I'll just move on. The sixth movie on my list. This is one I, th I was honestly looking forward to more than any of these movies. It was probably the only one that I knew about, like, you know, a month or two before it came out. It was Mank, the uh, David Fincher's movie that's about the making of Citizen Kane. I thought it was like incredibly well done and again the writing for that one for for this one was really good and Gary Oldman was like great in the movie like he's always great in movies. I think a lot of the reason I didn't rank it higher honestly was cuz it was just it didn't stick with me. I, this is one where I feel like I need to rewatch it cuz I I watched this movie like right after I got COVID so I was kind of not in the best headspace that day I feel like I paused it at some point so I could like lay down and take a nap and it's a movie that where a lot was going on kind of like in the frame and like there's a lot to pay attention to so I feel like maybe I didn't give it the right level of attention so I would like to watch it again like and I also like rewatched Citizen Kane going into it so I was like all prepared and then it was just that thing where you're like you watch a movie where it's like very well done everything's good but for whatever reason you're just not connecting to it it feels kind of cold in a way but like extremely uh good filmmaking but just like it doesn't hit you in any specific way that much but it's also one of those movies where i feel like i could rewatch it like in a couple years and it would suddenly hit me in like a totally different way and i'd like wish i could cope go back and move it closer to number one but uh that's not where it is right now there are other movies that i liked more for some, for whatever reason and that was when I watched at home uh, on Netflix. I think I watched it the day it came out. Okay, the, and the number five was the one that I watched actually this morning, Judas and the Black Messiah. It was on HBO Max for like a month, and I did not watch it. And I kept meaning to, and then I, I think I forgot that they are only on there for a month. Because HBO, when they're, they're putting like new movies out, like that come to the theater, they're putting them on HBO Max and at the theater at the same time, but they're only on that HBO Max for a month. This is not, I'm not trying to talk about HBO Max, I'm talking about this movie, anyway. So I didn't catch it and then I was trying to find it like to watch, but it's always playing like at a theater kind of far away. And uh, when, on my trip in Nashville, actually, I drove about 25 miles out of the way to watch it. And I was in the parking lot of this movie theater, kind of outside of Nashville and uh, and then I got a text from some friends who were wanting to go to get together to eat. And I was like, oh, I hadn't heard from them that day. So I was, I ended up leaving the movie theater and going to hang out with them instead. But so I ended up renting this movie for like 20 bucks, which is kind of crazy to me. Usually when I watch a movie, I'll listen to a bunch of podcasts about it or like read a bunch of reviews. And I'll, I'll read about the history of it if it's like a historical thing and this this is based on a historical event and uh 
the performances were pretty incredible and it was definitely a uh, relevant story i think a reason i didn't rank it higher was that it was there was a lot of anger in the movie and it kind of made me feel like it's one of those movies that there's a righteous anger to it but you don't know if i don't know if it's something i'd want to rewatch like all that all the time but it was interesting that it was like a biopic and also kind of a crime thriller sort sort of story. It's kind of worked on in different levels, on different ways. It was a, it was a really good movie, and I would yeah I would recommend it. Okay, the f- fourth movie is one I watched at home after the the nominations were announced. It was a uh, Sound of Metal. This is the one where Riz Ahmed plays this heavy metal drummer guy who starts to lose his hearing and really a lot of the movie is him dealing with with that and like how it affects like everything like and him trying to come to peace with his new reality basically but it was really when I think about the movie I think of like the word empathy it kind of like the father like it puts you in the headspace of the main character like there's a lot of neat uh like sound things going on like it would often like mute or muffle the sound around him like to give you an idea of what he was hearing or not hearing and his performance was pretty amazing like it was one of those things where you're like man if if all these other people weren't nominated for best actor like he would totally he should totally win it because it was it's deserving of like an, an oscar it was kind of a quiet movie but it was it stuck with you um it's on amazon prime it was a good movie I thought I was going to have more to say about these these things. It's funny because I, you know, I watched them and I thought about them a lot. And then now I'm like kind of blinking on what to say. My uh, third favorite of of the nominated movies is uh, Promising Young Woman. What's the director's name? Emerald Fennel. I'm going to Google this. Emerald Fennel. She uh, wrote and directed it. Carrie Mulligan was plays this like kind of man this is this movie was uh it was a lot it was kind of a it's a movie where it it means something to you while you're watching it and then when it's the ending is like kind of a twist the whole thing around in your mind like about what it's what's going like to me this is the one that's probably gonna stick with me the most like it's just like a punch in the gut type movie but it was effective in what it was trying to do (laughs) i don't want to say too much it was also like one of the more entertaining of, of these movies, but it it's still like uh, got its message across. It's like a revenge movie. Um, this woman is going around trying to, she acts like she's drunk, like at, at clubs and stuff. These guys will like try to bring her home and everything. And then she'll show that she's not drunk and she'll kind of confront them about how they act around drunk women and all this. <laughs> I think I'm right ranking it high because I just found it entertaining to watch and it it's like a satire in a, in a way again the the writing is like really strong and it it really stays with you in a way that sometimes maybe you don't want it to stay with you it's one of those movies where like I would I would recommend it but I don't know how people would react to it I feel like it would really bother some people but it's a movie that it would definitely inspire conversation after you see it I guess which I think it makes it 
would is definitely like a, a reason why it's worth watching. But I would say I would warn you if <laughs> it's going to be an intense movie for you. The second movie is was going to be my number one movie until I saw the other movie that I ranked at number one. But uh, it was Nomadland. It's a Francis McDormand movie with Chloe Zhao wrote and directed. I saw it at home and I actually saw this one. I think I saw it before the Academy Award nominations. This is one that uh, everybody just assumes is going to win. And it's won like just about every award it seems like that it's been nominated for it's probably going to win best picture and i think it would be deserved if if not for this other movie that i just personally liked more francis mcdormand like plays this older woman who's kind of from this uh rundown town and i think nevada and her town has kind of imploded because of the financial crisis like in 2008 or 9 or whatever that was and her husband's passed away and she's kind of just it basically follows her as she travels through America and I think someone's mowing or outside. Can you hear that? I think you have to be able to hear that. That's really loud. Should I keep talking? It's kind of funny recording these like this because uh, I've watched these movies and I've thought about them a lot and then like now I'm suddenly needing to talk to them and talk about them and it's not fresh on my mind. And it's really loud out there. Now, Nomad Lane is like a—it's a beautiful movie. It's like it's very picturesque, and that shows it makes you kind of want to travel around in a like the western part of America. It's very like soulful and poetic and stuff, and it was—it's a good movie. But there's another movie I saw. I saw it at the theater. I saw it after they were not nominated for best picture, and I didn't know how much I was going to like it. I was kind of just going down my list, you know, knocking them out. But this movie I thought was like gorgeous and touching and I'm talking about Minari. Minari? How do you say it? Minari? It's the story about this Korean family who has come to America in like the 80s and they're living in Arkansas and they're trying, the dad is wanting to basically start a farm and it's about their struggles there. And uh, the writer-director is Lee Isaac Chung. And it's about his... It's based on his experiences as a kid. And a lot of the moments... It feels very much like one of those movies where... It's like, this has to be based on real things. Because like, they're too specific. Like They don't feel like just made up for, for a story. It's very much like the story of his childhood. And like it's very much about the family. I think the reason that I put it ahead of Nomadland is because I think they're both beautiful movies and they're both super like life affirming I guess I think Minari hit me more because it was more about a family I don't feel like I see a lot of movies where it's like just about people that you like and there's drama going on but it's kind of very realistic drama and, it, and it's also one that like I was like I could recommend this to just about everybody I know and I think they get really into it when like once they started watching it it's like very relatable it just deals with a lot of it's has a Korean family, so some people might think they might not be able to re, be able to relate to the, their experiences as much. But it's a thing where you'll see your life in them and like in their experiences. Like it's very easy to like connect with them, and the cast 
the family, they're just like amazing. Like they seem like a real family. I think it's rare to see a movie where it's like, it makes you feel good, but it's not like corny or like, or whatever. I just thought it was an inspiring movie and it was my favorite movie because I was thinking about like Soul, that movie, that Pixar movie. That was like a great movie. And it that was another one where I saw it and I was like, I don't feel like I see a lot of movies where they make me want to be more alive or maybe make me appreciate like little things of life and do you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these movies, like they'll make you mad or they'll make you think or they'll make you challenge your idea of some complicated moral issue affecting the world at today. And I thought Minari kind of hits you just in the heart and it, it was just a good movie and I would recommend it. It could win. There's a chance it could win. I think Nomadland will probably win, but there's a version of it where Minari wins. Anyway, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to have to chop this episode up because I've been mumbling a lot and I, I keep losing my train of thought. And I'm going to try to make it sound like I'm sort of smart. I maybe should have written my thoughts down. I never know how to do these kind of episodes, but this is going to work. i got to throw this together because i got to get this thing out quick. But anyway, thank you for listening. And uh, I'll be back next week with a very fun interview with my friend Brian Carter. And... You're going to like that one. Okay, thanks for listening. All right, bye.